This is More to the Point Audio with Russell Moore. Proclamation and conversation about the kingdom of Christ. We're just going to be looking at one verse tonight, chapter 5. James chapter 5 and verse 12. We continue on our study of the book of James. James chapter 5 and verse 12. This is after James has been talking about patience and endurance under suffering. And then he says this. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Let's pray. Father, would you give us light to see your word? Would you speak to us through your spirit? Would you show us your son? And we ask all of these things in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen. wonder how many of you in this room have ever had your mouth washed out with soap? Anybody in here have the mouth washed? I had my mouth washed out with soap regularly. Had a grandmother who lived right next door to me, and uh, for whatever reason, uh, I would pick up different words and different things that I would say, and she would snatch me right up, and we would go right back to the bathroom, and she would pull out uh, the soap, and she would wash it. Uh, This happened most memorably to me once when my dad had his boss over to the house, and apparently I had heard someone say some words, and I came out and said, you know, how you doing, you blankety-blank, to this guy. I had no idea what it even meant, but I'd heard that word in the neighborhood, and it was not even, I don't even remember seeing her coming. She 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 just got me, and we went back, and she took that soap, And it wasn't the kind of soap that people have now, you know, that tastes like vanilla ice cream or watermelon or whatever. This is, this was really, really nasty soap till I was just foaming up at the mouth. I said to her one day, not too long ago, I said, now, you know, you'd be in the pen if you tried to do that today. And she said, do not try to make me feel guilty for washing your mouth out with soap. I would do it again in a minute. She said, and if you came in this house right now talking the way that you did then, I could still get you to the bathroom and wash your mouth out with soap. And I believe she probably could. Most of the time when we think about swearing, that's what we think about is really cussing. Uh, And most of the time we think about cussing, we don't really think about what it is. Uh, We just think about the fact that there's a list of words that we know aren't to be used and not the kind of things that that Christians use and not the kind of things that people use in polite company. But if you think about really what profanity is, it's one of two things typically. It's either swearing. So when someone, for instance, takes the Lord's name in vain, Typically, what they are doing is swearing. They don't know that they're doing it because it's, it's just kind of an existing uh, pattern of words that they picked up from habits that have been brought down to them from years and years and years ago. But when someone says, oh, my God, they are swearing, as it would seem, by God above in heaven. When, when someone uses the name Jesus Christ, as a, a, an expletive, as they're, they're screaming out Jesus Christ. They're swearing by Jesus Christ. When someone will say some other things, what, they, what they're tending to do, what they're really doing is pronouncing a curse. Uh, I, I wish that God would send you to hell, for instance, is one of those curses that might be given. 
And that's typically what we think about when we think about swearing. Someone has a problem with swearing, that person is using language that is inappropriate. And that's certainly included there, but that is not what James is talking about when he moves here to James chapter 5 and verse 12. He says, above all brothers, I do not want you to swear. Now, think about this for a minute. James says, above all. He's taking this very, very seriously. He says, above all, I do not, I would not have you to swear. Now, that sounds really odd if you think about it for a minute. Because James has gone through talking about all kinds of things that are very, very important. About receiving the word of truth, about governing your life by self-control. He's talked about murder. He's talked about mistreatment of other people. And he says, above all. That would, that would sound kind of strange. I mean, if, if we had a group of people who were going to be leaving and they were going to be moving to another place, and I gathered them up and I said, I want you to remember something above all things that we have taught you here at Highview Baptist Church. Don't cuss. Don't cuss. That hardly seems to be above all. But notice what James is doing here. He's not, I think, saying above all of anything. He's talking in the context here of what he's already been writing to them about, about patience, about enduring suffering, about what it means to to live in the line of the prophets here and enduring uh, suffering. And he says there's a connection here between this patience and this swearing. He keeps coming back to the issue of speech. What James will not let them get away from is the fact that their words have everything to do with who they are. It it just keeps coming in wave after wave after wave. It's, It's as though James has said something and then he moves on to another topic and then he comes back to it, your mouth, the way you talk about God, the way you talk about other people, the way you talk about the future, the way you talk about oaths and vows. He says, above all of this about patience and endurance, I want you not to swear. Now, why not? What is the issue when James says, don't swear? What is the problem that he is getting at? Well, when James says this, notice the wording that he uses. He says, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. There were some people who would swear, if they're making a vow to do something, they would swear by heaven, which really meant uh, swear by God. So you you think about the way uh, that we have in our culture right now, oh, I swear to God. People will just kind of, people who don't ever even think about God, they don't ever even think about anything like that. What they mean by, oh, I swear to God is, I'm really, really telling you the truth. This is, this is something you can really bank on. It is really truthful. Well, that's always been the case. There have always been those people who would swear by God, which is essentially saying, if I'm not telling the truth, may God get me. May God strike me down if I'm not telling you the truth. I'm swearing by heaven, by God, or swearing by earth, by anything that is on earth, trying to tie your truthfulness to that. He says, don't do that. 
And when James is saying that, what James say, is saying here is not really new at all. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus, teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, uses language that is almost identical to the language that James is using here. Jesus says in verse 33, Again you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. He says, don't swear. And what Jesus says is, what Jesus is doing in this Sermon on the Mount is taking all of the things that they know to be right and they know to be wrong and he presses it internally to the heart. So, for instance, you all know you shall not commit adultery. Jesus says the adultery starts in the lust of the heart. We, we know that it is wrong to murder. Jesus says that murder begins in the rage that is within the heart. And Jesus points them back to Leviticus chapter 19, where God says, don't swear falsely. You shall not swear falsely and make a, a vow to God that you do not keep. Jesus says, that's true, but I want to ratchet it up. He says, don't swear at all. And he uses that same language that James uses by heaven or by earth. You see, there were some people who might say, well, you ought not to swear to God. You ought not to swear by heaven because that's blasphemous and that's sacrilegious, but you can swear by other things. You can, Jesus gives you the, the example of swearing by Jerusalem. You think about uh, sometimes people will say, I swear on my mother's grave, you know, that kind of thing. Now, Jesus says, don't swear by anything on earth because earth belongs to God. It is his footstool. Jerusalem, don't swear by Jerusalem. This becomes God's house. This is God's temple. So there is nothing, Jesus says, that doesn't belong to God. So when you are swearing about any of it, you are swearing essentially to God. Now, what's Jesus getting at? He says, first of all, it is wrong to falsely swear, to make a commitment to God that is not going to be kept. He says, that is true in the law. You shouldn't keep a false vow. You ought to speak truth in every way, including the vows that you're making and the oaths that you are making. So you think about, for instance, what the scripture says about false prophets, uh, people who would come in and say, I am speaking for the Lord. Thus says the Lord, this is going to happen or that is going to happen. If it doesn't happen, Moses says, you take that person, you stone them to death. We've had a full moon today. I'll just tell you, people, because my office has had just about every crazy in the world calling today. And we typically have a lot of crazies who call, but today has just been really, really bad. 
And uh, a lot of them, a lot of the people who are in, involved in this kind of thing have got predictions as to when the world is going to end. You know, they, they know what's going to happen and they're able to pontificate about this is the sign that I've seen and this is the word that I have and Jesus is going to come back on this day or the moon's going to turn to blood on this night and they've got all the dates worked out. Well, that's not new. Every generation has people saying those things. And Moses had said, if you have somebody who comes forward and says, what I am telling you is going to happen and it doesn't happen, that is not a prophet of God. Do not listen to that person. And he says, if somebody comes, but that's not enough. He says, if somebody comes in and says, this is going to happen and it does happen. But the prophet says, let us go and worship other gods. He is not a prophet of God. The apostle John in 1 John chapter 4 says, you can be sure of this. Anybody who denies Jesus Christ come in the flesh is not from God and does not bear the spirit of God is not a true prophet. Someone who claims to be speaking for God, but who isn't speaking for God is in serious, serious trouble but also someone who makes a commitment to God, who makes a vow to God and does not keep it is in serious trouble. Jesus says, don't make these oaths, don't make these vows, not only, not falsely, he says, don't make them at all. And James comes along and says the same thing. Do not swear either by heaven or by earth. Now, a lot of people in the history of the church have seen this as a reason why we shouldn't, for instance, if you're called into court in a lawsuit, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Uh, if you're elected to an office, to swear to uphold the Constitution, the kind of oaths that we make. I don't think James is talking about those involuntary oaths these things that the government or, or whoever it is that has charge over you is requiring you to do. I think what James and Jesus are getting at are these oaths and these vows that we voluntarily make. And why? Jesus says, and James repeats it, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Why do people swear? Why do people make oaths? So that they will be believed. If I say to you, I swear to you I'm telling the truth. I swear, cross my heart I'm telling you the truth. Hope to die. But why is that the case? I'm saying you can really believe me on this. I am really being serious on this. Uh, I, I, I really am telling you the truth. You shouldn't have to say that, James says. You shouldn't have to say that, Jesus says. There is no need for you to have to make these oaths. There's no need for you to have to make these vows. Instead, you ought to act as though every word that you are saying is carrying the effect of a promise. Jesus says, when you say, I swear, you're putting some weight to your words. But if you are people who are following after Jesus 
and you understand that what Jesus has taught us, which is that your words demonstrate who you are and your words have everything to do with the abundance of your heart, then there shouldn't be any difference between your heart and your word. The integrity that is present should should come forward in your speech. So Jesus is not saying you ought to be less committed, don't swear. He says you ought to be more committed so that everything that you say is carrying the same effect as a promise. If I commit to do it, I am going to do it. If I say I am telling the truth, I am telling the truth. My words are reflecting my character. My words are showing you who I am. He says, don't swear here by heaven or by earth or by anything else that you can find, by any oath. He says, instead, speak truthfully. Now, what does that mean? Well, most of us would agree that we ought to speak truthfully to one another. And most of us would agree you ought to keep your word. But that is much more difficult than it sounds just saying those words. Everything that is committed to ought to carry with it a force of passion in keeping that. I will sometimes make people mad when they come to me uh, wanting me to, to marry them. Often make people mad for all kinds of reasons. And one of the things that uh, makes people mad is I will not allow a couple to write their own vows. Couples love to write their own vows. And stand up and say all the things, the sweet things they've got bubbling up in their hearts toward each other, you know. And I never will let them write their own vows. I say, because these aren't your vows. You are making the vows, but you're not the one holding you accountable to the vows. You're part of a larger community here that is holding you to account for the keeping of these commitments that you are making to one another. Part of the tragedy that comes with divorce is not only the breaking up of the family, but it is also the breaking up of a word. What is happening in marriage is that a man is saying to a woman, I am taking you, in the traditional language that we use, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, forsaking all others. That is a commitment that is being made. And what the scripture is saying to us is that God hears the commitment. God hears the vow. And God will enforce the vow. God will enforce the words that are being spoken. They are not meaningless. This is not just part of a ceremony. So what does that mean? It means that then the the commitments that are being made, my yes being yes and my no being no, means that even when situation turns out to be not what I expected at all, you've been hit by a truck and are laid up in a hospital bed in a coma. You have Alzheimer's disease and you don't even recognize who I am. 
you've disappointed me and you're not nearly as interested in me as my old high school girlfriend was or whatever it is that you come up with, the words have everything to do with your integrity and the scripture says that when you have a breaking of the commitment, this is not just a broken commitment. This is pointing to something that is wrong within the person, something that God is going to hold the person to. This is one of the reasons why in training and raising up children, uh, there are all kinds of things that don't seem to matter. It doesn't really, if, if, a, if a child says uh, to his brother, I'm going to help you carry those uh, toys up the stairs, and then he becomes occupied with something else, you better teach him to keep the commitment and to get the toys up the stairs. Now, you may say, well, what difference does it make? I mean, honestly, he's, he's four years old. He's, he's saying he's going to do something. He doesn't know that he's going to be distracted and want to do something later on. What are you teaching him? It's not about the toys. It's not about this moment. It is about teaching him not to make any kind of a commitment, not to say anything that he is not going to keep. Let his yes be yes and his no be no. And frankly... For a lot of us, and I'm speaking more particularly to myself right now, that means having a lot more no. When you realize there, there's no way that I can do all of the things that I am committing to do. And my, my natural tendency is to say, yes, I want to. Can you uh, come and speak at this event? Yes. Can you uh, write this letter of recommendation for me? Yes. Can you? And just all these things. And the next thing you know, they're all swarming around here and there's no way that you can do them all. Well, that is not just a, a matter of stress management. That ultimately is a matter of character and of integrity. If I'm going to tell you that I'm going to do something, I've got to know that I can do it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, and when you have that kind of, of um, harmony between your words and your heart, then, Jesus says, and James says, there is no need to say, I swear to God. There is no need to say, I swear on a stack of Bibles. There is no need to say, I promise I double promise, I triple promise, believe me, because every word is coming with the effect of a promise in the same way that as image bearers of God, every word that comes to us from our God has the effect of promise. I will do it. I will keep it. I will be faithful to a thousand generations. We model that with integrity of speech. And then notice how James closes this out. He says, be sure that you do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. And why? So that you may not fall under condemnation. The reason that the book of James is so difficult for most of us to really understand 
is because we really think that actions matter and words don't. Words really are just words. I can say whatever I want to. James says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no so that you will not fall under condemnation. And why does James say that? He's talking to Christian people. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, the Bible tells us. So why would James warn them about falling into condemnation? It's because the Bible consistently does this. Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I will do what? Deny you before my Father who is in heaven. You will receive the reward if what? If you endure unto the end. Those who practice such things, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does the scripture do? The scripture moves the people of God forward through promises and through warnings. Jesus says, I'm the shepherd, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow after me. What does the voice of Jesus say? Keep coming, keep going. Keep going, keep going, we're going forward, we're going forward. And how does he do that? He does it by reminding us, think about where it is that you are going. Think about the reward that is waiting for you. It, when you're, when you're uh, tempted to just become uh, obsessed with the stuff that you can buy, Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus says, I'm with you. Why do you love money? You've got riches that are, that are piling up for you in heaven. Why would you be so obsessed with this paltry little amount of stuff that's here? And the word of God also speaks to us with warnings. This is what the word of God says, obey. This is what the word of Christ says, hear it and believe it. And in the life of a believer... Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they listen to me. The believer always ultimately listens to the promises and the believer ultimately always listens to the warnings. That is how Jesus keeps us marching forward in the walk of faith. And Jesus says, so what that means is, if you're following after me, then you are following after me as a promise keeping, truthful speaking person of integrity. You know where I see this in the life of Jesus in a way that amazes me, I think, most? Is all the times in the Gospels when Jesus is healing someone and he says, go, your sins are forgiven you. Now, the immediate controversy is going on here is that Jesus is claiming that he's got the power to forgive sins. The religious leaders are all upset about that. But think about what else Jesus is doing. He's making a commitment. Apart from the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And when Jesus turns to that woman and says to her, go, your sins are forgiven you, Jesus is committing himself to the cross. And his word comes with every bit of force 
as if it were a blood oath. Jesus says, if you belong to me, then you are growing up by the Spirit into conformity with me, which means that when you speak, you speak truthfully. And when you speak, you speak with integrity. That means integrity in the way that we speak to our employers and employees. That means integrity in the way that we speak to our fellow church members. That means integrity in the way that we serve in the life of the church. You you may say, well, it doesn't really matter that I've said that I'm going to help with upward basketball. They've got plenty of people that are there. The issue isn't the upward basketball. The issue is your integrity of heart. It means when you say to your spouse, I'm going to do this, particularly when you say to your spouse, I'm going to love you and you only for as long as we both shall live, you keep the word and you keep the commitment. It flows out in every part of the life of the believer. So when I'm praying for myself and what I'm praying for all of us in here is that the Spirit would prompt us all the time in our speech to be speaking as members of the body of Christ, which means that we are speaking in the same way that Jesus would speak, which means not speaking in some stiff, stuffy, kind of uh, sappy, spiritual kind of way. Jesus never does that. Jesus doesn't sound like a lot of the Christian-y people that we know. Jesus is pretty blunt and earthy. But Jesus does what he says. And when Jesus said to us, whoever beholds the Son of God and believes in him, I will raise him up at the last day. It is as though it has already happened. Because his yes is a yes and his no is a no. Let's pray. Father, as we go this week, we pray that you would you would remind us to guard our speech. Father, we pray that in every situation that we're put in, that we would speak in a way that comes out of a heart of integrity, that we would not be like the devil who speaks out of the abundance of his murdering rage, but we would speak as you do, as one who speaks truth and life. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to More to the Point Audio. For other resources, check out our website at www.russellmore.com.